ominous signs for the winter as COVID cases in the U.S. stop declining. Why is Vice President Harris historically unpopular? And a veteran newsman leaving the anchor chair. Wednesday need to know. Let's go. Good morning. This is Shedder's Need to Know podcast for Wednesday, November 10th. I'm Jill Agner with Carlo Versano. Good morning. Happy hump day, Wags. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you doing? Oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. We started giving uh, Franny some solid foods, which is so funny. Oh, my God. I love it. Like um, just watching her like little reactions to the uh, to like the different tastes. It's like so cute. I, I just can't stand it. I can't believe I, I feel like I'm maybe like a grandmother, but it's like, she's growing up so fast. I can't believe she's on solids already. It's amazing. It really is. It's so funny. I gave her a Sour Patch Kid last night and I just watched her face like contort. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I didn't really. I'm like, I don't think that's how it's supposed to go. You're supposed to start with uh, sweet potatoes or something. Yes. Steamed carrots. Yes. Nobody call uh, Child Protective Services on me. I didn't really She's not there for your entertainment, Carlo. (laughs) I know, you're right. Um, All right, let's get to some news here. After weeks of steady declines, COVID cases across the country are once again either flatlining or rising. Parts of California with lower vaccination rates are seeing hospitalizations rise by 20%, but even highly vaxxed areas like Orange County are up double digits since Halloween. While deaths are continuing to decline nationwide, the national caseload now up 6% on the two-week average, according to the New York Times database. Yeah, you know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, Parts of Europe, also in the midst of this new resurgence, even in some countries where the virus was really thought to be under control in Western Europe, uh, you're seeing this sort of continental divide open up uh, across the pond there. Um, You know, we think vaccine hesitancy is bad here. I was just talking to Becky, who, of course, is from Romania, uh, which is now the the worst in the world in terms of the the death rate. Uh, A lot of those countries, a lot of those sort of former Soviet satellite countries in Eastern Europe, you know, they have even less less trust in authority that we do here, and they have a real vaccine hesitancy problem. Um, but yes, this is something to keep an eye on. Again, you know, cases are probably not the best metric at this point in time. But when you start to see when you see a, de- a steep decline, start to flatline, which is what you're seeing now, plateau, uh, that is, uh, you know, some cause for concern, right? I don't know. I, I don't know if the microphone just picked up my stomach gargling, but I just want to acknowledge that that was my stomach. <laughs> I didn't hear you. Um, okay. I don't know what I think. It's, I don't know what's going on. Um, look, I think uh, I, I think it's concerning because of the timing as well, because it's getting cold. Everyone's going to be doing stuff indoors yeah. again. The holidays are coming up uh, and we know how disastrous that was last year. Uh, hopefully not the case this year. Pfizer also asking the FDA, by the way, to give emergency use authorization for its booster to all Americans 18 and up, not just older Americans and those at high risk. Mm-hmm. Pfizer's new study found that a booster could restore protection against symptomatic infection to about 95%, even as uh, Delta was was raging. So that's a, a good news. I don't think this approval, though, is a sure thing. Um, you know, and I have heard that if you want the booster, it's not as hard to get. You know, I'm not, again, I'm not recommending that people not follow the regulations, but if you feel really strongly that you want that extra protection, it seems like you can get the shot. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do that if they don't approve it. I'm gonna do that before Thanksgiving. I think they should. I, th- I mean, why not approve it at this point? There's no supply issue, right? I mean, at least here, 
I don't I don't really like get it if people should get it if they want it. I don't really see what the holdup is. Uh, meanwhile, a federal judge has rejected a request from former President Trump to block records related to the January 6th Capitol riot from being sent to the House committee that's investigating that insurrection. Trump's lawyers are planning to appeal, and the executive privilege case could wind up being decided by the Supreme Court. Yeah, there are a lot of uh, developments in the January 6th investigation. Subpoenas are now flying uh, over there. In the last two days, that House panel has doubled the number of subpoenas issued uh, to former Trump advisors as they're looking into whether there was coordination between the people on his team who were pushing a legal strategy to overturn the election and the supporters of his who stormed the Capitol. That's kind of like the main question, right? Was there some sort of coordination between the two? Uh, so they just issued new subpoenas uh, to Stephen Miller, Kayleigh McEnany, the former press secretary, um, among others. Vice President Kamala Harris, currently in Paris, where she's going to be meeting with French President Emmanuel Macron today to try to smooth over that recent diplomatic flare-up between the U.S. and France. Back here at home, though, her popularity or lack thereof is becoming a cause of serious concern for Democrats who saw her as President Biden's heir apparent, whether in 2024 or 2028. According to a recent USA Today Suffolk poll, her approval rating is 28 percent. That is a full 10 points below Biden. That poll, man. Yikes. That is an historic low uh, for any vice president in the modern era. Worse than Dick Cheney's worst polls during the Bush administration. Yowzer. Man, sometimes I just feel like I don't understand the country I live in. But that's, of course, an issue for another day, I guess. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't like I don't think Kamala Harris is a particularly strong politician. Uh, and I don't think that she kind of has the juice to be the president. But I don't really get the hate. I, I, I mean, she, first of all, she's rarely even seen or heard from in public. Right. I mean, even less so than uh, than the president. So, I mean, some of it I think you can probably chalk up to uh, the fact that she is both a woman and black. Um, but I think there must be something more to it to see numbers that low. Right. Am I wrong? No, I mean, I agree with you. I think that some of it could be just an undercurrent uh, of sexism and racism. Yeah. Um, but I all maybe that's the problem that she hasn't been out there. You know, the fact that we're not really sure what she's up to and you haven't really heard much from her, maybe that is part of the problem. Uh, Biden put her in charge of of immigration, you know, just tackling the root causes of immigration. Yeah. <laughs> I would have basically, if I was her, said, Assignment not accepted. I mean, that is <laughs> how are you solving that? In, I, yeah, it's right. such a complex issue. We have been trying to figure out an answer to the immigration issue for decades. So I just, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that seemed to Didn't be a really difficult another, assignment. Didn't he give her another crazy assignment like that, too? He gave her, he, he came out of the gate and was like, okay, I'm going to give you like the hardest parts of this job. So maybe that <laughs> has something to do with it. People are like, I thought she was supposed to solve the border crisis and she hasn't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. Uh, the family of Barty Shahani, a Texas A&M student who was injured in the Astroworld stampede, said that she has been declared brain dead, um, while Ezra Blount, that's a nine-year-old boy who was trampled at that event, also said to be fighting for his life. He is in a medically induced coma. Meanwhile, the lawsuits are piling up against Travis Scott, Live Nation, NRG Stadium. As the investigation into what happened last Friday continues, Scott reportedly partied with Drake at a, a Houston Dave & Buster's after the show, allegedly unaware of the extent of the tragedy. 
Yeah, that's coming from TMZ this morning, which is saying that he was there, uh, didn't really, at least according to TMZ, wasn't aware of uh, how bad things were and then was told and then left that after party. But needless to say, not a great look for him. All the while here, I don't know if you've been following this sort of like satanic panic that's emerging in this case, conspiracy theories about the concert disaster in Houston being part of some sort of uh, satanic ritual have been spreading like wildfire across social media, specifically TikTok, which has been very slow uh, to take those videos and those uh, conspiracy theory posts down. Um, you know, I don't know, like it just shows you, you this, this is, by the way, this is young people, right? This is not, you know, this is not like Mima and Peepa out there talking about, you know, some some sort of like uh, election conspiracy theory. This is young, digital, native, savvy people who were sort of getting bitten by this conspiracy theory bug, which is, you know, a real, uh, you know, a real problem in our society that I don't really know what the solution to is. You know, it's it's interesting. And in a bunch of my interviews that I did when we were talking about Facebook and a lot of the issues that are plaguing mm -hmm. Facebook, yes, there is something specific about Facebook's algorithm and also Instagram that make teens feel worse about themselves. And it's 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 they have that algorithm that does spread misinformation. But a lot of uh, experts that I spoke to said it's only a matter of time before there's going to be different types of problems, similar but different yeah. types of problems with TikTok and, and with some of these other social networks. So, you know, it's just, it's it's basically, they play on human behavior and human nature. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It, I don't I don't know how we do democracy and reason in the age <laughs> of social media. I just, it seems like we haven't figured it out. Yeah, and I don't think the answer. You know, the more I think about it, my, I don't. I, the answer is not censoring because it's just it doesn't work, right? You're gonna take these videos down; they're gonna pop up somewhere else. Like people are gonna seek this information out for for sort of more you know human reasons, trying to 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 seek out answers to to questions for which there is no answer. Um, but just back to the back to the actual investigation. It seems to me the more I read and the more sort of you get a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, space from from what happened at this concert. Live Nation, I mean, they were the people who put this concert on, right? They were the they were the event planners. They were the organizers. It seems to me like if anybody has the most blame seems like it should be going in Live Nation's direction, not necessarily in Travis Scott's direction, not necessarily in, I, I mean, you know, Houston Police Department's uh, direction. I'm sure there's plenty of blame to go around, and, and we will see that in the investigation. But again, the concert promoter, they're the, they're the people who are in charge of making sure that these venues and that these events are safe for people, right? Switching gears, Carlo, another major test of the newly resurgent labor market starts today in Buffalo. That's where about 100 workers at three Starbucks locations will start voting on whether to unionize under the affiliation of the Service Workers Union. Starbucks, which has no unionized U.S. stores, has been trying to get that vote delayed. The company even dispatched founder Howard Schultz to the Buffalo area to speak with employees, many of whom are complaining about chronic understaffing and other conditions. Schultz uh, drew some parallels between Starbucks workers and Holocaust prisoners. That analogy, um, many people, a lot of workers there say they just found that inappropriate. Uh, yeah, remember Howard Schultz? I, I don't <laughs> think he's helping. I, I don't think he's helping the cause here. I mean, I don't know if you remember. He was sort of like bullied out of the Democratic primary uh, last year, um, just for appearing so incredibly out of touch and even condescending. He, his presidential run lasted, I think, even less 
you know, even shorter than Bill de Blasio's. So I just I don't think he's a good messenger uh, necessarily for Starbucks here. But if this union vote succeeds, it will be a first for Starbucks. And the thing with these union votes is they start small, right? They start at a, a couple stores uh, in one area, but then they often spread, uh, which is why you're seeing Starbucks bring out the big guns to try and stop it. Uh, you're seeing similar union drives at places like Dollar General. Uh, there's another uh, push at some Amazon warehouses after that last one in Alabama failed. Deer and Kellogg workers still on strike a month uh, into this now. So, um, yeah, we will we will see that that vote is probably going to take a couple of weeks to be counted. You know, Starbucks um, is interesting because the company famous famously treats its employees well. Um, they provide good mm. benefits. Uh, they pay for they help pay for college. Um, but as we've discussed, the power has shifted back to the workers in this country for the first time in a really long time. Um, and given that there's a labor shortage, who knows what's actually going on? So, you know, Starbucks stores that are trying to stay open may just be pushing these workers to their limits. Uh, I'm not that's just a guess, but it, it yep. it's just, I think, speaking to this this time that we're in, which is just a very bizarre situation uh, when it comes to job openings and, and labor shortages. On the way, on the issue of the Holocaust comparison, um, I think, can we just all agree that nothing <laughs> was really like the Holocaust? Not vaccine mandates, yeah, not working amazing. conditions at Starbucks. Like, let's just agree on that, please. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it's you. just kind of wild, the state of discourse in this country. I did look up what he said, though, because um, I was curious, like, what could possibly be the comparison? Because <laughs> it just seems right. a, a little bit bizarre. It is a little bit different than some of the other ridiculous oh, comparisons. Sure. Sure. Um, and I just want to read read what he said. So Schultz, by the way, is Jewish. Um, he's according to The Independent, he said a rabbi had shared a story with him during a trip uh, that he was taking. And it, he said, uh, the rabbi said, one person for every six was given a blanket in rail cars that were headed to Nazi concentration camps. And the person who got the blanket had to decide what to do with it. Um, and then Schultz uh, also basically said, so not everyone, but most shared their blanket with five other people. The rabbi says to me, take your blanket and go share it with five, five other people. And so much of that story is threaded into what we have tried to do at Starbucks. Again, I think that story was not needed or makes it doesn't make too much sense. <laughs> I don't sense, even really follow it, it. Yeah, I can't even. I'm a little. I had to read that bunch, um, and I, I didn't listen to the audio of what he actually said. But I just can we just put the kibosh on the Holocaust yeah. comparisons in general? From your lips, my friend. Oh. Um, but okay. but just back back to your what the one thing you said about uh, you know why are they unionizing given that Starbucks is known to be a generous employer. I think that that's actually, you know, if you're a, a particularly generous employer in terms of benefits and wages, I think that's what makes you an ideal target uh, for union organizers, right? I think it's just people are like, well, you set up these expectations for us. And meanwhile, you know, I'm still, I'm working 12 hour days and, uh, you know, I'm still, my wages aren't going up with seniority. So I think that actually works against them in this. But also I just wanted to mention very quickly on this before we move on, you know, if you, it, one thing that's fascinating in sort of like the labor shortages we've been talking about is what's happening in the sort of quote-unquote delivery wars between UPS and FedEx. Um, UPS is a, has a unionized workforce, and uh, they're, it's, they're known to be another generous em employer, good benefits. Um, FedEx does not. Their drivers are contracted, and they that was supposed to kind of give them an edge, and it, it's actually – put them far behind UPS. UPS is crushing it right now because they're not dealing with the labor turnover uh, that a place like UPS is, uh, that the place like FedEx is. And that's largely because they have a unionized workforce. 
That's really interesting. Um, I hope that this is a moment in time where just in just overall companies realize you've got to treat workers well. You have to treat people with respect. Yeah. As you said, unless you're basically like the CEO of a company, you basically work your whole life. You get two weeks to yourself <laughs> each year and yeah. uh, you just kind of cheap try cold to get watch by. if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, General Electric is breaking itself up into three distinct companies. GE says it's going to divide itself into separate units for its healthcare, energy, and aviation businesses, and then spin off the healthcare and energy companies. The GE name is going to live on with the aviation company that uh, makes jet engines. GE has been in the process of shrinking itself for years amid a lagging stock performance, and the move is going to essentially end the conglomerate that was uh, born out of Thomas Edison's invention of the light bulb. Their stock has been on a tear, though. Recently, yeah, this year, yeah, this year, and I think even yesterday after they announced the split, we, I think, did you work for NBC when they were owned by General Electric? You must have, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, it was always so weird to me. It was like the weirdest corporate marriage ever, right? It was like this company that makes jet engines and MRI machines, also produces Seinfeld and Dateline, um, and I think they finally realized that didn't make sense, and then they got rid of NBC, Comcast bought them. Uh, but I always, I always kind of liked the history, of, like of working for a company like that that was just like so integral uh, to the manufacturing history of America, right? It's sort of like the original American manufacturing company um, back when we used to actually make stuff in this country. Uh, so I guess you know times have changed, and I guess. Speaking of NBC, Brian Williams is leaving NBC News and MSNBC next month. The veteran newsman reportedly passed on a contract extension and says he'll, quote, pop up again somewhere. Williams has been with NBC for 28 years, most recently as the anchor of MSNBC's popular late night news hour. He was given that position after he lost his gig as the nightly news anchor after admitting to exaggerating a story about a, a reporting trip to Iraq. Yeah, Williams, the latest uh, and biggest name to step back from the Peacock Network. Uh, Casey Hunt, Casey Hunt, one of their big political reporters. She was recently poached by CNN. Rachel Maddow ending her nightly show next year. I think she's going to stay on in some sort of other capacity, but that's a big deal. That's MSNBC's highest rated show. Uh, the cable news business, if you're interested in this kind of thing, in disarray right now. I think they really have not. It's not just MSNBC, uh, but they have not figured out how to hold on to an audience uh, without Trump making news every day. And time for a little more to know before you go. Rivian goes public today. The electric vehicle maker has priced its IPO at 78 bucks a share, valuing the company at more than $66 billion. Rivian's just started deliveries on its flagship, Electric Trucks. Uh, NASA says it's bumping back its plans to send humans to the moon by at least a year. The space agency now says they won't be able to meet the target for a lunar landing in 2024. They're going to plan for 2025 at the earliest. Interestingly here, uh, NASA's uh, general administrator blaming that delay on lawsuits brought on by Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin, uh, which sued NASA after the contract for the lunar lander was awarded to rival SpaceX. Peloton's announced a new product, a $500 camera that connects to your TV. It could guide you for a strength training workout. Peloton shares have been a disaster since uh, the company reported earnings last week, showing that its growth was significantly slowing down. It cut the price on its flagship bike by 20% as it deals with increased competition from other connected fitness products, as well as the good old-fashioned gym industry Peloton is an interesting one. It was a stay-at-home stock. Yeah. Um, it was the hottest stock during the pandemic. And and the question was always, is it gonna stick? You know, what what are what are the things we've talked about this that we do during the pandemic that are gonna stay right. with us and what are the ones that aren't? 
Um, and it looks like investors are betting that people want to get back to the gym. It sure seems that way. I would not. Uh, I would not be long Peloton right now. And finally, uh, California Governor Gazim, Gavin Newsom has just popped up after going nearly two weeks without a public event. Uh, Newsom explaining to reporters yesterday that he canceled a trip to the COP26 climate summit in Scotland at the last minute because his kids begged him to stay back to go trick or treating on Halloween. Uh, Newsom can also be spotted in photos from last weekend's lavish uh, San Francisco wedding of the Getty oil heiress Ivy Getty. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi officiated that ceremony and the actress Anna Taylor Joy served as maid of honor. So just to be clear here, uh, Gavin Newsom didn't go to a climate conference, but did go to the wedding of a oil heiress. The Democrats, baby, they wonder why people don't think that they're uh, actually the, the, the party of the working class. I wonder why that could possibly be. It's amazing. The, 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 um, it's just amazing. On that note, we got to wrap. That's what you need to know for <laughs> Wednesday, November 10th. All right. See you guys tomorrow. <laughs>